Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. And that's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctors. Planned Parenthood needs your support now. Now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAIP-owned brands right now like Cardin, Kaja, Emilia George, and hey, Meve, plus you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. Don't you date me? A podcast where me, Nicole Byer, tries to figure out how I'm still single, even though you could spit in my coffee every morning and I'd go, yum, 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 spicy. <laughs> my, <laughs> my guest today. I fell in love with him on Unreal. You've seen him on RuPaul's Drag Race. You've seen um, him on American Horror Story. It's Jeff. Oh, and he is the host slash judge of Canada's Drag Race. It's Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. Hi. Oh my gosh, what a great intro. You know, I try to keep them high energy and really fun because it's fun when you get credits said, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, because I, I almost forget sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but like my resume is certainly not the first thing that I like self-identify with on a daily basis. You know, in fact, I almost forget some of the jobs that I've done. Like, oh shit, that's right. I did do mm-hmm. that, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I recently did a podcast where they're like, you know her from SNL. And I was like, they do? When? When did I do this? And they were like, that's what it says on the internet. And I was like, which internet are you on? <laughs> the dark web, honey. The dark web. <laughs> Truly. It's like, what deep dark web are you on where there's an alternate reality where I've had a job I've never had? Just take it. Just take it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jeffrey, it's so nice to see you again. I just did uh, the Canadian Drag Race podcast, and that was a treat. That was so much fun having you on the show, Nicole. It was like, like I said to you when you appeared, it was like 
it was such a treat having somebody who is a a drag race recap podcast pro and someone who's such a super fan of the show on as well. Yeah, I just I love drag. I think it's super fun. Wait, have you ever done drag? You know, I've done it a couple of times. I want to say completely uh, unofficially. Both times were in movies. Both times mm-hmm. it was like quick drag. It was um the hair and makeup done by a cisgendered female makeup mm. artist who, re- who you know, really doesn't know how to do mm-hmm. drag makeup properly. So it wasn't necessarily the most authentic or, uh, you know, beautiful representations of what drag is. But it's something that Rue and I talk about. He's something that he threatened me with. Uh, several years ago to to get my ass in drag and I'm just holding him to it. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. We were waiting until March came around when he was going to be back in drag uh, quite often to do uh, Drag Race UK, but that got nipped in the bud as coronavirus swept in and took over our lives. But one day, I would love to. Have you done drag? Oh, I've done... So, okay, I've been put in drag. I hesitate to say I've done drag because... Uh, I haven't done it in like a, a queer space where it's like a drag show, mm-hmm. but Monique Hart has put me in drag twice. Wow. Trixie Mattel and Monique put me in drag. Um, and then honestly, sometimes late at night, I stay awake and paint myself. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. I love playing with makeup too. <laughs> I love doing like some crazy eye makeup looks. How on earth mm-hmm. did you, were you in a position where you got Monet and Trixie and all these girls to put you in drag numerous times? Well, so Monet, or no, not Monet, sorry, Monique Hart. I oh, Monique Hart, sorry. had her on the podcast, and during the podcast, she was like, bitch, I'm going to put you in drag. And I was like, I'm going to hold you to this because I enjoy being near you because she's truly just this ray of sunshine. Mm-hmm. And then she texted me and was like, what are you doing Friday? And I was like, what are you doing Friday? She's like, I'm putting you in makeup. And I was like, yes. So I just like went to her apartment. We hung out and made a little video and... It was truly delightful. And then for Trixie, it was uh, Trixie Cosmetics. So she does videos for uh, doing her makeup on other people. And it was very funny because as we were painting, our friend um, Anne was there. Anne Pine was like, you look like Meatball. Do you know Meatball? Yes. That's amazing. (laughs) Yes. And then Meatball was like, no joke. Some college I was doing a show at used that picture to promote my show. (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant. I need to see these photos. I can't wait. Uh, It's very, very silly. I Mm. love it. I have a question for you. This may be a very off-putting question. Go for it. But I'm here for it. Canada's Drag Race, you walked into the workroom. I think it might have been the first time or the second episode. And a couple of the queens were like, oh, my God, he's so hot. He's so attractive. And you were like right there. Yeah. (laughs) Does that happen a lot? Oh, God, what an interesting question. It's a bad question. It's an awful one that really puts you on the spot to be like, I'm beautiful. Well, no, I just don't know how to answer it because, yeah, oh, gosh, how do I even how do I even say this? So I'm 35 years old now. I started modeling when I was like 15 years old. Um, I was raised in a, as you know, in a really small farm town in the middle Mm -hmm. of nowhere, Canada. I was adopted and I was raised by an entirely white family. I was the only person of color in my town and my, in my school. So I always stood out. So my physicality was always something that people commented on, like my entire life. I was just telling my boyfriend yesterday that when, when I was a kid, like a teenager, and I would walk into the mall in the town that I grew up in, like people would be breaking their vertebrae like six, seven and eight trying to take a look at me. So like having all eyes on me was kind of something that I've I've just become accustomed to. But 
but my physical, the world may perceive how I look physically as being aesthetically beautiful, but the internal beauty was always something that was so much more important to me. So I feel like that's where I've placed my focus on for the majority mm-hmm. of my life. But is it weird? Yes. When people like are commenting on that, they, that they want to like go down on you right in front of you. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It never, it, it's never not weird, but you know, I don't know. I feel like in many ways it's just like led me to be quite disarming in my, in my character, mm. you know, like to kind of just like dispel like that, like, okay, get over that. And like, let's just get to the, like the root of the human connection between you and I. Mm-hmm. You know? That's what a eloquent answer. Uh, <laughs> I once asked the same question to this server in, I may have said it on the podcast. I don't remember, but in Oklahoma, I was doing these shows and there was this server who was stunning. Like she went round the corner and I would get shaken because she mm. was so pretty. It was a way that she was pretty. She like held herself in a way that was like, I was like, oh, she must be nice to talk to as well. Mm. And the last day I was like, wait, I can't remember her name, but I was like, can I just ask you a rude question? She said, sure. I said, do people tell you you're like beautiful all the time? And how does that feel? She was like, yes, they tell me all the time, but I already know. So it feels fine. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. You know, I mean, uh-huh. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, it's, it's not something that I really think about to be totally honest with you. And I feel like I have just like, I mean, you and I've talked about this as well. We spent like a tremendous amount of time in therapy. So I feel like yes. I, I like, I have so many other insecurities and like things like personal flaws to work on in my life that like my, my, my physicality isn't really something that I place a lot of importance on truly. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like that. I, it's interesting because I feel like ugly people <laughs> or like not traditionally beautiful people spend a lot of time thinking about their looks and they're mm-hmm. just like, I have to accept this. I have to love it. It's not society's mm-hmm. norm, blah, 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 blah. Like I wrote a whole book on the fucking subject and there's a whole, I mean, wrote loosely. I loosely wrote, mm-hmm. there's very few words in this book. It's a lot of pictures, <laughs> but um, I just, I think it's so interesting that there's a word called body positivity and I'm just like, there's yeah. a whole word for like, not hating your hating body yourself yeah it's insane nicole it's so insane to me and then this like world that we're living in and we know living in los angeles that like superficiality is like of the uh-huh. utmost importance and how the world views you and it's just it's such a culture of like i don't know self-care but that self-care also is wrapped up in like um you know uh, uh ch- changing who you are essentially mm-hmm. in order to get to a place where like you can be content and your level of self-care like i can you know like i can i can reach spiritual enlightenment once my nose is just an inch small uh-huh. you know? yeah, it's, <laughs> once this deviated septum gets fixed i'll mm-hmm. be fine <laughs> mm-hmm. what caused that deviated septum in the first place honey <laughs> <laughs> a few too many nights in hollywood <laughs> um, so you grew up I always thought you were mixed Because your mom was white I didn't realize you were adopted Which is so yeah. funny that like it never occurred to me I was like oh, oh I guess Jeffrey's mixed His nice white mom She's so nice I love her I love that you met her You guys you guys met at DragCon a couple of years ago Yes And she yeah. was so kind and so sweet And she truly mm, was like is. in awe of everything She is adorable Did you ever... So I grew up in an all white town. So I remember mm-hmm. the day I found out I was black. I just, mm. it never, cause you know, my hands, the palms are, you know, the same color as white people. So I guess mm-hmm. I just looked at those and I was like, I guess I'm like them. But my wow. sister came home and she was like, mom, 
guess what? We're black. Because this kid, Adam Zwickler, on the bus was like, you are black. And she was like, mm, information. I'm taking it in. And I think I'll go home and tell them. So I remember <sighs> hearing her say that and being like, well, if she got told she was black, that probably means I'm black, too. <laughs> so I'm black. Did you? <laughs> I don't know if this situation's unique to me, but did you ever go through that? Well, first thing I am. Yeah, I am adopted and I was raised by a white family, but I am biracial. My my uh, biological mother. Yeah, my biological mother is white. My biological father is black Jamaican. Um, what? Oh God, Nicole, was I, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to be, I'm going to be straight up. I feel like the first time that people ever really acknowledged my otherness or my, my color was, it wasn't just being called black. It was being called the N word, you know? Ah, so, okay. so, 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 so I had to, it, like, it took some time for me to wrap my head around that. Like, what does that mean necessarily? Mm-hmm. What do, what do you mean when you say that? When you see me, what does it mean to me? What is the history of it? Like, I didn't really, I couldn't really grapple with that or even begin to have an understanding of it at, like seven years old. Um, but I lived in such a small redneck hick town that that was just like the word that was thrown out at me. Um, because it was, you know, the only real real point of reference that people in that town had for for black folk. Um, mm-hmm. But it was it was my my blackness wasn't really something that people took issue with. It was my queerness as a kid, and it was because I was black and stood out that I couldn't just blend in uh, and not necessarily hide my queerness, but you know, when you're like, you're a Mm -hmm. young kid and you're gay and people kind of target, target you for your feminine qualities or whatever it may be. A lot of the time when you're blending in because of the color of your skin, you don't, it's, you're not really going to be that much of a target, but because I already stood out because of the color of my Mm -hmm. skin, like I was then like the, like the, the, the black queer kid or, you know, like those are, those are the nice words that I'm using to describe (laughs) what people actually called me. You know? Yeah, I think I was very, very lucky growing up that I was quick mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because if anyone started being like mean to me, I wasn't like, oh, I'll destroy you first. I was like, oh, I can turn whatever you say into a joke. So Ugh. then it didn't seem as awful because I was like, oh, we're just joking around here. But then, you know, you grow up and you're like, oh, my God, there were so many microaggressions and overtly yeah. racial things that happened in my youth that I just... Truly put it in a pocket and put it in a box and put it away. It's been really interesting uh, thinking about all that shit now. Mm-hmm. It's such an interesting defense mechanism that kids develop. And I I think that I was, uh, I certainly did the same in some respects. Like I just, I, mm-hmm. I definitely used comedy to diffuse situations very often. But, you know, I mean, that defense mechanism can serve you for a certain period of your life but you're eventually going to get to a place where you outgrow it and you have to actually like begin to mm-hmm. acknowledge and like deal with these traumas and these demons that you've had to face unfairly as a child yeah you know you know and that and that and that's when therapy comes in honey <laughs> <laughs> truly like i mm-hmm. unpacked a lot of stuff with my therapist and have said things to her and she was like oh yeah that's that's racist and i was like mm. oh fuck like i was talking to my sister yesterday and she was like oh yeah i was unpacking this story i don't know if i told you so she told me the story that happened to her in school and she was like and i just was really trying to grapple with whether it was like r- like really racist and i was 
it was okay for me to be mad about what happened. And then I told my therapist, my therapist was like, it is, you should address this. And then she's like, it's been like a year. My therapist every now and again will bring it up and be like, have you addressed it? And she's like, no, I just don't know how. And I know I have the tools. I just, I don't know. And I was like, that's so, that's so interesting that you didn't tell me. And then Mm -hmm. she was like, yeah, I just didn't want you to like worry about it. And I was like, oh man, we live in a way that's so hard and unfathomable for some people. Yeah. And then you being from Canada, I feel like Canada has the not stigma, but reputation of being like, they're all so nice and Mm. they apologize. And it's like, yeah, Mm. they might be nice, but like racism still exists where there's nice people. Oh my God. There's like, it's it's something that people really need to like, specifically Canadians need to like wake up and acknowledge in themselves that it is a deeply racist country in mm-hmm. a, in, in a, sim, on a like a similar vibrational frequency to that of the United States but we just didn't have the history of like slavery and the oppression of African mm-hmm. people to the same degree that Americans did so um the level of of racism that I experienced because of my black body was a lot of it had to do with like ignorance and stories that were told or just lack mm-hmm. of exposure to blackness, black people, black culture. So I was very much othered because people just didn't know what to make of me. But that in itself is a form of racism, just like mm-hmm. kind of like casting me to the side and treating me as this like this other being because, you know, because I didn't look like everybody else. But the history of like the impression of indigenous and native uh-huh. people in Canada is real, honey. It is real and it is dark and it is something that is not explored in history or in social studies it's not something we're really taught about in school but it's um yeah i mean if anybody like takes it upon themselves to like just like crack a book or google Mm -hmm. the history of of uh you know the oppression of indigenous people in canada it's really quite it's really really sad or you know the concentration camps they had in uh internment camps they had for japanese people during the world war in, in british columbia like it's, you know, racism exists on many different levels, no matter yeah. where you go in this world, unfortunately. <laughs> How are you dealing with all of this at this point? Because I feel like, truthfully, Nicole, I'm so overwhelmed by the state of the world right now. Yeah, I'm tired. And yeah, me too. the only people I really like talking race with is with other Black people yeah. or other people of color. Because mm-hmm. it's a shared experience, whereas... When I'm speaking to a white person, I feel like I'm educating them. And I'm like, well, I had to do all of this on my own, you know, mainly Mm -hmm. because I live in the body. But like, totally. Google's free. Yeah, totally. And I don't think that's something that that white people really understand is that we, too, were fed the same messages about anti-blackness and systemic racism as the rest of all y'all. And the only difference between you and I are, are, not you and I, but us and white folk, Mm -hmm. is that we had to, like, undo the internalized racism and the internalized self-hate that that goes along with all of those messages. Mm -hmm. And we did have to do the work on our own. I had to seek out the literature Uh and the lectures. And the literary greats that have been doing this work for centuries and generations. And yeah, it like takes time and effort and a lot of unlearning. But that is what needs (laughs) to be done to come to a place of like. Yeah, I remember. So my best year friend, Sashir Zameda, she has worn her hair natural since I've known her. Mm -hmm. And I remember pointedly asking her, I'm like, why do you wear your hair like that? Which is Mm. an insane question to ask somebody why they wear the hair the way it grows. But that was my internalized racism that our hair isn't good enough. And that our hair needs to be straightened. Our hair needs to be in a weave. Mm -hmm. Our hair needs to be Mm -hmm. in something. Like, it's not, it's, it's unkempt. And I, like, I thought about it, like, like a year or two later. And I was like, 
well, why am I still relaxing my hair? It's mm. breaking off. It's not healthy. It doesn't mm-hmm. look good. So I just, I shaved my head and dyed it blonde. And from that day on, I was like, oh, I'm never relaxing my hair. Yes, I wear wigs and weaves. Well, not weaves anymore. Can't keep them up. Too much work. But I'll wear right. like a wig. But I, the, 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 the older I get, the more I'm like, it should be like a natural texture. It should feel like what my hair would feel like if it were straightened mm-hmm. or whatever. And that feels better to me now that I'm not like, oh, I have this European whatever hair in my head. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. wh- what? Why? I can't believe we're like fed these images as kids. And oh, but my we, mom I mean, did not want me to straighten my hair. But she was like, I mean, you keep saying you want to look like your little friends. And I'm telling you, your hair will never look like your little friends. And I was mm-hmm. like, what if I put a towel on my head and sing and <laughs> dance around the house? And mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, do that. That's easier. That's easier than straightening it. You're lucky to have been fed these messages from your mother because I'm, as I'm sure you know, so many young black people are fed the exact opposite message from their parents mm-hmm. and are like encouraged to, to straighten and and relax their hair and to embody Eurocentric beauty standards, all of these messages. I just actually wrote like a big post the other day on social media about it, about my experience working as a model and having to face Eurocentric beauty standards and knowing that I would never be sent to certain markets in the world. Mm -hmm. I would never be sent to Asia or Australia or certain European markets or American cities because of the color of my skin, because my blackness was not valued. Therefore, they wouldn't hire me. They wouldn't photograph my black body because they, Mm -hmm. they didn't want my black body and advertising because my 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 beauty was not coveted you know Mm -hmm. and then on the flip side of that we have this this like really just fucked up dynamic that we live in this dichotomy in this world where where people of color are fed these messages of having to embody eurocentric beauty standards ourselves and to wear blue contacts and lighten Mm -hmm. our skin and dye our hair blonde and straighten it and wear wigs and weaves and all of these things to you know to be accepted on a certain level by mainstream society or by the entertainment industry or whatever it may be and yet we're still faced with like certain walls and barriers like you Mm -hmm. can be you can you can embody these things but we're only going to let you get this far Mm -hmm. uh and then and then on the other side of it it's like white people who are appropriating black culture and injecting our features Uh into their own bodies and being praised for it and Mm -hmm. being celebrated for it and getting these magazine covers and having their own reality shows and making millions of dollars off off of the appropriation of blackness, black beauty, natural born black beauty, and, you know, benefiting from it Mm -hmm. financially in a way that we never can and never will. It's just such a, like, it's such a fucked up system of racism <laughs> that people don't like it's so hard to it, it, might, it makes my it makes my head want to fucking explode it makes my yeah. head want to explode and then you know and then along with that like us like having to feel the pressure of having to be this thing in order to be to be accepted mm-hmm. and playing the game but then still only receiving like a fraction of the pay of our white counterparts mm-hmm. who were taking it upon themselves to to like to appropriate our blackness like it's just such i it it just keeps my head spinning in circles yeah. because it it is I, I try to make sense of it then i realize like oh shit this is nonsensical <laughs> that's that's why i can't yeah, put my finger on it can't make sense of it it is so crazy i remember it's crazy very early in my career um, going out for this one part, eh, it's not even just one part, it's many parts where I would do the lines and I'm like, can you make it more urban, a little bit more street? Oh, God, so Nicole. then I'm like, okay, but like, <sighs> for me, 
I interpreted this role just like a little differently. And sure, I can do that. But like she has four lines and they're just like, hello, would you like soup? And they're like, but, you know, black it up. So you're just like, oh, mm-hmm. would you like soup? And you're like, do I want to be that person? Yeah, yo, girl, you want both soup here, honey? <laughs> like, I get it all the time. Make it make it blacker or make it gayer. Uh-huh. But then I, but then I get make it straighter, make it butchier, yes. make it more uh, make yourself more palatable to men and women play into mm-hmm. the binary, like all of this shit. And it's so fucking confusing. And it leaves me I don't know about you, but it leaves me in a state where it's like. On a platform like my like my show, like my podcast, like I just know I have the freedom to just completely be myself like I am here with you. But when I'm being hired to do something, so often it's so confusing as yes. to like, what do you want and how do you want me to deliver it to you? And I have this like inherent fear of uh, I, I'm on one side of things. I know that I can't please any, everybody. But on the other side of things, it's like. I'm just, you're just, we're just fed so many different mixed messages mm-hmm. as to how, who we should be, how we should be us, and how we can like uh, present ourselves to the world in a way that, you know, people are going to like it, enjoy it, accept it, ingest it, mm-hmm. like whatever it may be. But it's like, it's really, man, there's no, there's no formula for black folk, for like, for like black no. folk to succeed in this world, you know? Yeah, for white people, it's one plus one equals two. But for black uh-huh. people, it's like one plus one equals negative eight. And then you uh-huh. got to find seven of those things to get back at zero. And then you uh-huh. can start. It's very, very exhausting. I recently had an interview and it was very early in the morning. It was going great. I did a bit where I was like, I'm still in bed <laughs> and because it was like 8 a.m. And the interviewer goes, so um, let's pivot away from your book. Has your size held you back from anything in Hollywood? And I was like, oh, that's <sighs> not a question I was expecting. And I was like, what a loaded question for a morning sh- like talk show. And I was like, I mean, no, because of systemic racism and racist tropes that fat black women are mammies or mm-hmm. they're oversexualized. So I would say... Uh, the whole thing has held me back from certain parts, mm-hmm. but not just my way. It was so like I was rocked. I was like, oh, my God. Like, do you actually want to get into this or no? Yeah. Right. Is my has my queer. I've been asked, like, has my queerness uh, like held me back in certain aspects of this industry? Like, fuck, yes, obviously in the <laughs> in the world it has. And why? Because this is a world that is like that is deeply homophobic and transphobic mm-hmm. and fat phobic and fem phobic and, and racist. And like of, like, of course it is like what a, what a dumb question. Like, yeah, you know. And then, like, part of my answer, I was like, it has, but, like, I have created so many different things for myself, Mm. and I think those things should be, I can't even, like, I, like, blacked out after that. I was like, what the fuck? It's, uh, that has, like, that's one of the questions that's thrown me off once. Uh, Mm. Another one was during TSA's, or no, TCA's, TSA's at the airport, TCA's at the Television Critics Association. Um, I had a show on MTV, and it was me. The cast, the showrunners, uh, my showrunner, and then the second in charge, they were two white people. And this black curmudgeonly critic was like, I have a question. And we're like, okay. And he's like, you're a black woman and you've got two white showrunners. Why? And I was like, oh, um, well. Um, <laughs> and you don't want to shit on the people who are doing the job, who listen to every word you say, who are trying very hard to tell the story you're trying to tell. And they were hired because they were the best person for the job. Also, 
I was told that there were no black women at the level that they wanted, which isn't true. But you get told these things mm-hmm. with casting, you know, you have an idea and then the casting director has an idea. So it's like when it's your very first show, you don't have all the. I wasn't even in EP on the show. I was a creative consultant. I had very little power over stuff. And that I was like, as a critic, you know the ins and outs of television. Mm -hmm. You just wanted like a a headline or something, or you wanted to make me feel bad about succeeding. Mm -hmm. It was like one of those things where I was like, oh my God. I can't believe this. The crazy thing is, Nicole, the, the question should not be directed to you. It should be directed no. to them. Right? Yes. Like, like yes. how are you supposed to answer this question? Yeah. Right? I think it's hilarious. I think it's, hila- it's hilarious when white people are asking you about, like, the, you know, the, the intricacies, the nuances of systemic racism. Because it's like, how the fuck am I supposed to know the answer to this? Y'all are the <laughs> ones who created this shit and, like, perpetuate it. <laughs> why don't you investigate your own thoughts and behaviors and then tell uh-huh. me why this is the case? You know? I yeah, don't know. And... It's so wild because after, you know, protests haven't stopped since George Floyd's uh, death and the media is not covering them as much. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's the most interesting to me is the outpouring on social media, people being like, I feel helpless. How do I be an active ally? How? And I and it stopped like people have stopped a little bit caring yeah. as allies yeah, yeah. black people this are is... still posting shit but i posted uh-huh. this whole long thing where i was like read your kids black history post it mm-hmm. on instagram not one person has done that and tagged me in it I know. that's like it was the simplest thing to be like if you read to your kid at night tell them tell them about you know madam cj walker or like uh uh any like fred hampton like tell them mm-hmm. tell them about the black panthers how they didn't start out as a political thing it started out right. as like a, like a program a for kids program. Yeah. like tell them about this stuff post it on instagram and then maybe mm-hmm. other people will do that and that helps that helps mm-hmm. to like if you really want to raise anti-racist kids like you have to do a little bit of the work and not to say that nobody is doing it but i was like well i suggested it i got a lot of feedback saying this is great but then I didn't get anybody sending me nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so what is it? Do you want to be an active ally or do you want to just say that out loud? So it seems right. like you're doing good. Right. Per- performatism. I think that at the beginning of all of, of all of this, just since, you know, since May 25th, since the, the murder of George Floyd, I kind of like took a step back and was like, y'all need to do the work. The reason why sustainable mm-hmm. change has not been made is because bl- white people fall off the trendy bandwagon of being yes. an ally to black folk. But then no change is made because you don't continue to do the continuous work of re-education uh-huh. and unlearning and like garnering new information because you're, I don't know about you, but my experience as a black person trying to share my lived experiences with white folk in order to like make a point or get them to like mm-hmm. uh, reach a level of enlightenment. So often it's not well received. They just don't get it. But when I see educated white folk teaching other ignorant white folk about the yes. experiences of black folk, it's heard in a different way. So Oh, Nicole, it's just like it's it's such a I'm I'm at the point too where I see where I'm very frustrated. I see people just like having done the same thing and fallen off the bandwagon. And so I am doing what I didn't want to do. And I am continuing to have these conversations mm-hmm. and to share my experiences and to challenge people. And um it it's really, really, it's really it makes me it makes my heart swell with joy to see so many of my friends continuing to do the work, but it makes me mm-hmm. so sad without calling out any particular individuals or institutions in my own world. But I know that like certain 
companies that I deal uh, with on a uh-huh. daily basis. Like, n- like when I ask them questions, like, are are so is your you know predominantly white company doing any work towards decolonization, towards mm-hmm. reeducation? Do you have any programs put in place? Are you guys getting like garnering new literature? Is there mm-hmm. anything going on? And when the answer is just like silence, it blows my fucking mind. I'm like, mm-hmm. what, what, what is going on here? You know? And it's like, and then with without the without people, white people having the education or the history of 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 blackness in America, when changes are made, something as simple as like changing, you know, uh, uh, Uncle Ben and Aunt Jemima, like getting mm-hmm. rid of those of those two characters. Like people think that it's absurd, that it's insane, <laughs> that they're just two, they're two cartoon characters and it's not harmless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you guys want to complain about everything, but you're going to, you know, come down to a place where we have to get rid of our pancake boxes. Like this is mm-hmm. absurd. But like do the history and know that mm-hmm. Aunt, the character of Aunt Jemima was a minstrel character that was like mm-hmm. based on like the most offensive mammy stereotypes <laughs> of blackness in America uh-huh. or like, you know, like it just, and, and if you don't have that history or the knowledge of where it originated, then of course you're going to look at it and think that it's absurd or unnecessary. Mm-hmm. But t- if you don't know that, you don't know how hurtful it is for us as black people every time we go into the grocery yes. store and see a mammy figure smiling maniacally at us from the mm-hmm. grocery store shelves. Like, you know, it, bl- it blows my mind. Yeah. I remember going to a friend's house in high school and they had essentially like, a mammy or like a black face uh, decoration in their house. So it was like just black, like a black little hanging thing person with like bright white eyes eating a watermelon. And in my brain, I was like, mm-hmm, we do like watermelon. <laughs> oh, girl. Was this, this was a white family's house that you went to? Yes. And then I like thought about it more and I was like, wait a minute. Why does this white family have this black little figurine eating a watermelon because it's adorable (laughs) yes then i learned about like minstrel characters and blackface and i was like huh i don't know if they meant to be racist but this is pretty racist Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think you know like in that that little rant or you know piece i wrote on social media the other day i was talking about america's obsession with the the certain you know reality show family that millions of white people are desperate to keep up with you can mm-hmm. guess who i'm talking about and how it's just a modern day version of a minstrel show how yeah. you know how like how how white america in the in the 19th century completely rejected blackness but was like fascinated by our culture and by Mm -hmm. our artistry and our music skills so they just kind of like took those the things about us that they loved and painted their skin black and then performed Mm -hmm. as these minstrel characters and there was like an insane obsession like like Jonas Brothers style obsession Uh swept the nation where like millions of young boys and girls would go to bed at nighttime like dreaming of being in minstrel shows and Mm -hmm. you know know, like aspiring towards that level of artistry and of blackness while still rejecting and refusing blackness. It's uh-huh. like to me, it's the same thing when you see when you turn on E, their E mm-hmm. network and, and and obsessively watch this show where it's like it's it's still it's a rejection of blackness. It's an appropriation of blackness. It's a self-claimed ownership over blackness. It's 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 a mm-hmm. it's a hyper it's a hypersexualization of blackness, a fetishization of blackness. And like people it it hurts my feelings when I turn on the, the TV and see and see them operating in the way that they are mm-hmm. and being celebrated for it and making millions of dollars off of it. And nobody, quest- nobody questioning it. Nobody questions it. But I will say this. 
all of those kids are black, essentially, except for some of like three of them aren't black. So I'm like, the only good thing about this is the generational wealth that is being produced for these black kids. All right. Who then start a life. Okay. Like when they're adults, they're set. They're set for fucking life. That is the <sighs> the only good thing is that they appropriated blackness so much that they had black kids. But then yeah. I'm like, are they going to educate these little black kids about their blackness? Who's going to do that work for them? Well, this is the thing, girl. You know, like, I mean, I do have a bit of an inside perspective to it. I was in a relationship for three and a half years who some, who, with, a, with a white person who was part of their glam squad. Oh. Um, you know, and so I did get some, some, an inside, you know, kind of peek behind the curtains at the reality of what goes on on a daily basis in those households and um, the level of intelligence or, yeah. uh, or, 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 you know, like true, de- true depths of knowledge in blackness. It's not, it's pretty, it's pretty lacking and I won't, I won't get into it, but just some mm-hmm. of the things that are said and done are deeply offensive and it leads me to, you know, to, to answer in my own head, the, the answer to your question, like, like, are they taking the time? I, I don't think so, mm-hmm. maybe, but you know. I don't know. It's just it's 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 really fucked up. It is really fucked up. And yes, I get your point that they are passing yeah. down generation generational wealth. But it's like I don't know, like descendants of like Thomas Jefferson, black folk who are still you know who like may have some generational wealth from from th- those plantations. Like mm-hmm. is it, it's just like it feels yeah, like, it's like, bl- at it feels what like cost blood money. Are you getting your generational wealth? Yeah, but say yeah. say well, love well, we have <laughs> to take a break. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service that's all about helping you have fun and get creative with your style. Shift gears in your wardrobe without a complete and expensive overhaul. Dressy stuff, trendy going out clothes, casual tops and premium jeans, sweaters, outerwear, vacation fits, you name it. For just $98 a month, you get a choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing, fast, free shipping and returns, and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I like Newly a lot because sometimes I don't want to like own a sparkly thing because I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to wear it more than once. Also, I have a ton of sparkly things. And Newly is very good at like having a sparkly thing that I'll wear once and then I can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DATEME20. Just go to newly.com, N U U L Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code DATEME20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code DATEME20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Spring is the best time to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up. And Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your power, and build towards whatever you're looking for. Okay, Peloton can accommodate your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, there's a class to get your body moving. And I have to stress how important that is. Five minutes is better than no minutes. 
Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and mood. Move at your own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out. So you can just jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day because that's what it is, a journey. And listen, Peloton has everything you need to get to where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, uh, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton is something for you. Ooh, the Peloton classes I like to do are strength training. I also like the yoga because um, I'm always trying to get more flexible um, because I love doing splits because I'm slutty. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at (laughs) OnePeloton.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's always something that I really need to talk about. And thank God I have a podcast. But then there's stuff that I don't want to reveal publicly. So I talk to a therapist. And listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get stuff off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. And I got to say, that's very important because the first person you meet might not be good for you. So even though it's work, you got to work to find someone who like is helpful and is good for you. So don't stick with someone just because you feel like you have to. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash date me today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash date me. Okay. Hey, did you know one in five Americans have learn a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste time on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned out in the real world. Babbel made it super easy for me to brush up on my Spanish before my vacation to Mexico. See how I said that? It's it's better and it sounds like I speak Spanish. It just makes traveling better so you can like order food, ask for directions and flirt with the locals. Me encanta muchacho. without having to consult language apps while on vacation. Here's a special limited time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash date me. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash date me. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash date me. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we back. Um, so let's transition a little bit into love and relationships. Yes. Uh, because it is a relationship podcast. Mm-hmm. But I have not been dating really during this quarantine period. So mm-hmm. I truly have nothing really to say on that front, except <laughs> I fell in love the other day. Yeah. So 
I went on an outing, big deal. Uh-huh. I put on my mask. I got into my new Jeep. I have a Jeep <gasps> now. Can you even? It's a white Jeep Wrangler, just like Cher Horowitz and Clueless. Yes, and I leased it. it. No money down. Felt like I was stealing it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but I went to, to Lassen's, which is, you know, a hippy dippy expensive grocery store in LA. Mm-hmm. And I was walking around lost because I never go to expensive groceries. I go to Ralph's Mm -hmm. and this masked man with these beautiful eyes was like, do you need help? And I was like, actually I do. Also, I was looking for coconut milk and Satan, which is like a vegan. (laughs) Satan. Yeah. So I never say it correctly. And I was like, I can't tell this man I'm looking for Satan. He'll be like, bitch. (laughs) 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 Bitch, what? You trying to get to hell? P.S. Lawson's is a Christian owned company, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) So you should have said that you're looking for Satan. (laughs) I should have said I was looking for Satan. Excuse me. Where's Satan at? And he goes, oh, uh, I can show you where the coconut milk is. Follow me. So I follow him to the coconut milk. And he's like, here you go. And I was like, oh, thank you. He's like, I really like your hair. And I was like oh thank you thank you so much so then i was checking out and then i told the checkout clerk i was like "Ooh, can you wait a minute i'm gonna get a topi chico as a treat and she was like whatever so then i go get a little have you ever had a topi chico i don't even know what it is or topo chico it's mexican bubbly water and it's so bubbly and so delightful and delicious i love it so I go to get it. And as I walk past the masked man, he looked up at me and he was like, have a great day. And I was like, I'm not leaving yet. I'm getting a Topo Chico for a treat. So you'll have to say goodbye to me again. And he was like, OK. Ah! <laughs> so, so then I check out and then I'm walking past him and he was like, all right, now you can have a good day. And I was like, thank you. And then mm. I stood there for a beat too long and then was like, I uh bye and then like i ran out because i was like there's a line other people need to get into lessons and mm. i think i might go back <laughs> <gasps> this is last tuesday i was like should i go back and see if this is real but then this nice lady tweeted at me because i tweeted the whole story she was yeah. like he was nice to you because he's working and yeah. he's in a grocery store oh, and that's part of his job <laughs> you're so cute and I was like, this one's Crushing my dreams. Maybe, girl. I think female brains work so differently than male brains. I was literally just having this conversation with my boyfriend yesterday about how some of our female friends, like, like, uh, will either see somebody on social media or from mm-hmm. a distance in person and like create these entire fantasies <laughs> in their heads about like, like you know, like falling in love and starting uh-huh. a family and living this fantasy life. And I think that y'all, y'all give men, especially straight men, y- y'all give straight men a little bit too much credit, ladies. Uh-huh. If, I, if I if I do say so myself. You know? Yeah, my therapist is talking about that. So I was dating this dude who I really liked and I thought he liked me back and things were going really great and we had so much fun together and we would like sing in Ubers back to his place. And then when I was like, I don't, I was like, can you not date anybody else? He was like, oh boy. Uh, and he, it just kind of like fizzled out. And I was like, but what the heck? What? It was going so well. And my therapist was like, well, Nicole, it may have been going well for you. And you may have been projecting what you thought was going on. But to this person, it could have just been isolated incidences of you hanging out, whereas you were building to a relationship Mm. 
they were spreading out. It was like not building up. It was building out to like, oh, I like hanging out with this person. You know, let's lay the foundation. It's like, and you thought the foundation was like laid on that second date. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So I should die before telling a man how I feel. And she was like, (laughs) no, Nicole. (laughs) And I said, yes, Mary, I will die before I tell a man how I feel. Yeah, where's where's the balance? Where's the balance, girl? I feel so (laughs) bad for straight. I feel so bad for straight women that y'all have to deal with with like with with like the primal teenage brain of straight men. Yeah, it's sorry, depressing. Uh, it is depressing. I don't really have any advice for you because I don't. <gasps> I would ne- I would never profess to to pretend like I have any understanding of the straight male brain either. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. I've also dated women who, but the women I've dated were they knew who I was like before, so I think they brought mm. in a lot of expectations into the mm-hmm. the dating ship. So that was tough it's dating is just truly it's so mind lump mind mind numbingly difficult Mm -hmm. is dating easy for you so you have a partner i do yeah um so so yes dating is very easy for me because i have a partner (laughs) (laughs) you're like it's so hard i'm in love how long have you guys been together uh almost a year and a half i guess and and i and i love him very much um it is it's it's a lot of firsts for me in this relationship it's the first time dating somebody um uh younger than me first time dating Mm -hmm. somebody who, who, who very first time ever for me ever dating somebody who does not work in the entertainment industry. Oh. And it wasn't by choice necessarily in the past that I was that I was dating like actors or models or producers mm-hmm. or photographers or whatever. It was just like that's what we're surrounded by. So like that, you know, and you you when you're hanging out when you're on set all of the time or you you date somebody who's also in the industry, they just they get it. There's a shorthand. Mm-hmm. You don't have to necessarily explain like the insanity of your work hours or the level of yeah. attention and energy you have to devote to certain projects and um, you know, but this one this one he's such he's such a he's such a good one. He's such an amazing person he's incredibly kind the first the we met we met in a way that was really organic and he didn't know who i was either wow. it sounds bizarre but it was at the gym and i was sitting okay. on the bike i was sitting on the bike and i could there was this gentle i didn't really talk to anybody at my gym uh i was you know there for a reason like there to work out mm-hmm. but there was this gentleman um this older black gentleman named tony who is just some of the, one of the most charismatic people that i had ever come across and he was also he also happened to be in a wheelchair mm-hmm. but he's just so incredibly positive and every day when i would walk in to me and to everyone else he's like hey man how's it going how you doing how's life i'm great mm-hmm. you know life is beautiful life is you know tell me something positive tell me something good so it's like he like embodies this 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 type of energy so that day at the gym sitting on the bike saw Tony and saw this really beautiful guy walk up to Tony and start talking and he matched his light he matched his energy he matched his positivity and I was like who the fuck is this fool (laughs) so kind of kept my eyes on him um and then long story short we you know we made eyes over the course of the next hour and he came up and and started talking to me but I wouldn't have given him a chance or even even let him in um, just based on my physical attraction to him. It was because I witnessed that interaction, that Mm -hmm. moment between him and Tony, where I saw that he, like this person is a really kind, clearly like a very kind human being. So that is how and when I let him in. And I was, you know, I was just coming out of a relationship. I think I was, I was only single for like maybe five months at that time after coming out of a pretty long-term relationship. Um, And I wasn't looking for a relationship, but it just, it just, happened and he is 
I don't know, man. I don't even know how to say it. He's just a really kind, empathetic, loving human being. Um, he's the best. I don't, I don't really know what to say. There's, and he's he's also he's also he's also a person of color. He's Hispanic, so I feel like there's a shorthand there as mm-hmm. well. We just kind of have an, have a have a mutual understanding of what it is to navigate our way through this world as you know, living in this color of skin, mm-hmm. and, which is really refreshing after being in a relationship with you know, I've been in a relationship with people of many different races, but my last relationship with somebody who was who was white. Um, yeah, this guy's this guy's the best. Oh my god, <laughs> I love the I way your face truly lit up retelling that story like your yeah. eyes got all squinty and your smile got so wide it was so fucking cute Thanks, so Nicole. how long did you date before you guys were exclusive this is a mystery to me when well i've already decided i'm gonna die before i tell a man how i feel but like when mm-hmm. did you guys decide to be like okay we're not gonna see anybody else I think it was probably after the first, it was after the first month. It was, mm-hmm. I actually remember, remember the day it was Cinco de Mayo. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was after the first month and we sat down and had a very serious conversation about it. Um, but even then, like I said, I had just come out of a, a pretty long-term relationship and really wasn't looking for, I did, I did not think that I would be committing to another um, relationship right away. So I, I was kind of hesitant to commit but it was just so there was just such a level of joy and ease mm-hmm. to our connection and our dynamic i was like why the fuck would i like fight this like just just go with it this is literally what you want to need in a relationship you need somebody who's grounded and solid and kind and compassionate and like don't don't turn away from it just because you're scared so um i think we decided then that we would uh, only see each other but it was still another couple weeks or month before we said the the L word. And I know, and that may seem soon, like telling somebody that you're in love with them or love them within the first like month and a half, two months. But it was the first time that I was with somebody and I had been wanting to say it for weeks before the day that we actually said it. Mm-hmm. I'd never felt that way before. If anything, it's always been the opposite where I'm dating somebody and they tell me they love me. And I'm like internally <laughs> like freaking out like, oh, oh, shit. Oh, uh, not ready for this. Don't really know what to do about this. But I, you know, I'll say it back anyway. This was the first time that I had my like my everything inside of me was saying like, this is a, this is a good guy and he you're safe with him and he clearly cares about you and you care about him a lot, too. And it sounds so cheesy this sounds this sounds so fucking cheesy nicole but just take it for, just take it for one of this the moment that we said the words to each other i love you it felt like literal fireworks were going off inside of me oh, it was so cr- boy, it was crazy that's not cheesy <laughs> it's i think that's what everyone's looking for you're looking for that feeling that like yeah. i think it's in sleepless in seattle uh I think Meg Ryan describes like that internal feeling. Mm-hmm. I think we're all looking for that. You're all like, I mean, me personally, like I'm looking for someone not to validate who I am, but to validate that like I'm worth spending time with. Mm-hmm. And then for them to be like, I don't want to not spend time with you. Mm-hmm. I want to be with you. You make me feel like I want to be with someone where every time I look at them, I smile because oh my God. I just love them. That's that's what's going on with this one here. He's the best. I love have, it. Ha, have you ever had that feeling? Have you ever had that firework feeling? Yes. Oh, but great. Honestly, not in the way where like when I drive up to my house. <laughs> 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 so I, I got 
I bought a house a couple years ago. Yes, congratulations. As, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. I figured why not make an investment uh, that like I can live in. But um, mm-hmm. I bought this like yellow house with like a bunch of tile and it's very... Uh, it was owned by four gay men. It was. It's truly like, of course, Nicole lives here. Um, but every time I drive up to it, I'm so proud that I work so hard to be mm. able to afford it. And I love the way it looks. So it brings me joy. And mm. I don't know if I've ever looked at a person that way, like mm. romantically and been like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, you bring a smile to my face like my house does, which truly right. sounds insane. I, I, I can completely I can completely relate. It does not sound insane at all. I'm such I'm such an introvert and I could spend I mean, I have spent now like literal months inside <laughs> of my house without leaving and I'm like totally fine. I love it here. I love it. here. I'm going crazy. I, it's, Are you? My house is my I guess my relationship because I like to miss it. <laughs> so like, I like to go away and come back and be like, ah, my baby Mm. um but i was with this dude on and off for like three years who gave me butterflies but in a way where i was like will he be nice to me today oh no oh nicole i'm so sorry i've been there too it's like and if and to anyone out there listening like if you are experiencing that like it walk away immediately walk yes. away kind like kindness is not something that you should like have to gamble on in a relationship or like yes. keep your fingers crossed and hope that somebody is not going to be cruel to me today like <laughs> you know or play mind yeah. games or whatever it may be it's not that's not the, that's not the tea it's not worth it it's Mm-mm. and then by the end i like knew i was like he's not great he's borderline manipulative mm. and not emotionally abusive, but he would like say things that I was like, you're being very manipulative right now. Mm. But um, towards the end, it was coming up on like I wrote down uh, the day we met. So I like I knew the day we met or whatever. Mm. And I was like, OK, it's coming up on like three years since we've met. If he if we're not in a relationship and he hasn't changed, I have to walk <sighs> away. And then he said something to me that was like so just like disrespectful or whatever. And I was like, OK, I'm done Mm -hmm. and then he like texted me a couple times after i stopped texting and was like why are you mad at me and i was like not mad at you blah 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 and then he like tried to pick up where we left off and i was like uh i can so then i explained everything to him and then he was like oh uh i don't see it that way i'm sorry you feel that way and i was like oh yeah he never once fucking cared about me Mm -hmm. and then like i haven't spoken to him and i guess two or three years Good. and every now and again i'm like what is he fucking doing mm. whose life is he ruining oh. but then i'm like just let it go let it go let it go it's so hard to let it go but isn't it it's not and it's, yes. it's not gratifying in the sense of like thinking that they are destroying someone else's life but it's like nice to know they're no longer destroying mine and also yes. knowing that it's like that it's like yeah yeah, like I said, I, d- I would never wish ill upon anyone else or wish for somebody else to be destroyed. But I've certainly mm-hmm. been in relationships where it's like, I know this fool hasn't changed and I know he's fucking up someone else's life right now. So I am mm-hmm. so glad that I had the self-awareness and self-respect to step the heck away from that. Yeah, it's so funny that like just the slightest bit of self-love and self-respect will keep you from getting hurt by somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's so stupid the shit we take from other people mm-hmm. just to be loved. Mm-hmm. To find our own worth or self sense of value in yes. you know, the gaze of someone And I else. guess right now I'm just really working on, I'm trying to get to a place where I'm like, I'm not looking for love mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm, I, I'm like a wide-eyed cherub who's always like, maybe love can mm-hmm. happen here. <laughs> and I need to like just 
get over that and worry about myself and try to bring joy to other people however I can. Definitely. Like the Lassen story. Like what should have like, I, I should not have been like, we're going to be in love as I'm driving home. It should have been like, oh, I made a couple people laugh today. That's a good day. That's nice. Mm. Um, and I'm trying so hard to like work on myself, but I feel like I've spent the last like three years working on myself. Mm-hmm. I It's also, I'm so horny. Yeah. I just. That's real. That's real. How are you dating during this during this uh, pandemic, though? Like, are you do you do the online social app thing? Ugh, yes, and yeah. it's horrific. It is truly a nightmare. It is a horror movie. I want a Jordan Peele get out. I don't <gasps> want to be on these apps. People know who you are on these apps, so it makes it complicated. No. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes they do know where I'll just get a message that's like, I'm a big fan. And I've learned you just say thank you, just acknowledge it. And they usually don't want to go on a date or anything. Right. Um, but during the pandemic, for whatever reason, I keep getting hit up with like people who are like, I'm ethically non-monogamous and I have a partner of 12 years and you'll have to understand that. And I'm like, oh boy, I don't want to get into like, I have to social distance with a couple (laughs) and then we all have to get COVID tests and then we get to, I don't, this three, oh no. Mm. But yeah, like I, I guess for me. Some people are thriving mm-hmm. doing uh, like video chats, uh, dates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I have a friend who's done it a couple of times. But for me, I even podcasting, I prefer to do it in person. Mm-hmm. I think it's really hard to like talking to you is super easy because like I know you. Mm-hmm. But when I'm talking to people I don't know, there's it's it's a little hard. And then to be like, are we romantically vibing? <laughs> and it's like, I can't even, I don't even know if, you, if you're stinky. Legit like- <laughs> was just talking about this with my boyfriend yesterday in regards to like females, like creating this whole fantasy around love. But like, yeah, I do know some, a couple of people uh, who are dating during COVID and have only met on social apps or have only met on, yeah. you know, spent countless hours on FaceTime and they're being like, you know, like, oh, I'm just, I, this is the one. I know it. They're so incredible. We're so compatible. I'm like, you don't even know if you like the way they smell. You don't know if yes. your hormones or pheromones are compatible. You don't know if they're yeah. a good kisser. You don't know shit, honey. It's got to be so, it's, I can't, I can't wrap my brain around it. It seems like a real like black mirror type yeah. deal. Where it's like you're just living on the internet with these people. And mm-hmm. I just, in my brain, like I talked about, I truly had therapy yesterday. I was talking about this with Mary. I was like, well, the the great flu, I don't want to call it the Spanish flu because I feel like it's like Trump calling it the China flu, which is rude. Thank you. Oh, that's great. Um, and racist. Yes. Yep, definitely. But I was like, so the great flu lasted from 1918 to 1919, I believe, or 1920, I think. I'm not, uh, I, I'm getting the dates wrong. But mm-hmm. I think it was only like one, two years maybe. Yep. Yep, and right. the second wave was worse than the first. But mm-hmm. I was like, but it ended. And now here we are, you know, what, a hundred years later? Is that a mm-hmm. hundred? I don't That's know. A lot years, of years Annie. later. I don't do math. Yep. I'm not a scientist. Yep. But <laughs> we're here and life got better and we were allowed to like touch again. So I'm just like, it'll take a minute, but I would rather date in the time after Corona mm-hmm. where, t- cause I just, I like to touch. I love mm-hmm. hugs, man. I, I harass my roommate because we've been quarantined together. Me, my roommate, John Milheiser, John Milheiser, my roommate and his boyfriend, the, or, mm. Oh, I, I started calling him the man I live with. So it's John Milheiser, <gasps> my roommate, and my roommate, John Milheiser, the man I live with, like the three of us are together. And, Sometimes I, I'll follow him around and be like, can I just have a hug, please? Mm-hmm. He's not the hugging type, but I just, oh. I crave touch. I love yeah. touch. 
I love hugs. I love hugging my friends. Me too. So much. Do you have a pet? I do. I have two dogs. One, Charlie, he's having hip problems. Oh, no. uh, But I think he's faking it. (laughs) I think he wants even more attention than we've been giving him. uh, Because the other night... We've been carrying him up the stairs and trying to be gentle with him. But then the other night I was like, all right, Charlie. I like forgot. I was like, come on, let's go upstairs. And he like raced upstairs and I was like, what about your hips? <laughs> and then his ears went down and his tail went down and he slowly walked into my room. And I was like, are you the greatest actor of our time? Like, what? Uh, what's that's, going on? Are you the new lassie? <laughs> then I have another incredible. one, Clyde, who's just a little snuggle muffin. Mm, that's something, right? That's like, that's there's a certain level of love and affection there that can like help soothe no the look on your face right now says absolutely not <laughs> yeah no because like my dog's not gonna lick my pussy that's true and if it does that's super problematic nicole super problematic it's problematic well mm-hmm. one i can't let a dog eat me out their mouths are no, disgusting like people yeah, say true. that dog mouths are cleaner than human mouths and i'm like this i've seen this dog eat shit Legit. and i've had to like smack it out of its mouth no mm-hmm. also like you can't make a dog eat you out because it's like bad Ill- it's and wrong. illegal and they morally can't consent. wrong they don't speak yeah, english right <laughs> and then yeah, sometimes I, I think i'm like what if my dog doesn't speak english what if this whole time my dog is like what the fuck is she saying i speak spanish i speak spanish from spain That's not like i don't speak you know uh south american span i don't know what these people are saying to me That's because he was found on the street <laughs> So I don't know, like he might, he might speak something else, but that's also an insane thing. And I've had too much time to think, you know, yeah, that's, 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 that's what, what's coming down to at this point, Nicole, during quarantine times. It's honestly just awful. I can't, I just wish more people would wear masks. I mean, I talk about it constantly. I just like, I don't understand people politicizing it. They're like, the government's trying to control us. I'm like, bitch, you're already in the system. You're on Mm -hmm. Facebook. Mm -hmm. They have all of your information. Mm -hmm. If they wanted to control you, it'd be through like social media, be through Facebook. And Mm -hmm. they kind of are with fake news and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I just, it's exhausting. Are you on Facebook? I don't have a Facebook. I don't give a shit what people from high school are doing. They were Mm -hmm. ugly then. They're ugly now. Um, Mm -hmm. No, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, I just... It's not for me. I don't give a shit. Mm-mm. I don't need to write, like, read these people long paragraphs about how they feel about the world. I don't care. Do you have a Facebook? Mm-mm. I had. I think that my accounts are both still technically active, but I, I think it was it was right after Trump got elected that I, like, logged out. I was like, I can't anymore. It's giving me such anxiety. I'm going to bed with tears yeah. every single night. Like, this is just, this is the bane of our existence. I cannot engage with it anymore. So I logged out. And have no idea what my password is, have no idea how to log back in. And when you go to retrieve your password, you have to provide them with either your phone number or your driver's license. And I'm like, these motherfuckers aren't going to get, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm like, neither of them are going to get either of that information. I think it's like like a double authentication. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. So I I opt out. I do not engage on Facebook. I mean, our government is so wild. Just the fact that, like, a social media site can ask for your like personal like what's next social security is going to go into facebook like what the fuck mm-hmm. i mean they already have all that sh- it's so crazy i've been trying to get my information off the internet like my address was out there like just like Oof. a lot of personal information was how out there and why so i don't i don't know how people figured it out but um i've been I'm in the process of having it like scrubbed and it's it's so it's such an invasion of privacy that mm-hmm. like it would never occur to me to be like, 
I'm going to look up this person's address and mm-hmm. I'm going to send them something. So like my old address was on the internet. That's what I'm like. My old address was. And mm-hmm. my friend lives in my old apartment and mm-hmm. he gets mail for me from fans being like, can you sign this? And I'm like, no, one, you Mm-mm. invaded my personal space too. Do you think I'm going to make a trip to the post office for you? I don't even go for me. <laughs> yeah. Touché. Out of here, my friend. Great point. Great point. I have a question. For, I have a question for you. That's, to- that's totally off topic. Are y'all going back for another season of nailed it? Who fucking knows? Um, yeah. I honestly don't know. Uh, I hope we are. When did you wrap your last season? Last year, last May. Last year. Oh, God. Yeah, it's tough because so I have two projects where we're just in limbo, where Mm -hmm. I was supposed to be shooting one now. It got pushed to August. It got pushed to September. It's pushed to October. Another one that's pushed to August. But I don't know if we're going to actually shoot. Are you shooting things? Nothing. And I don't I know that some productions are starting back up again in here in Los Angeles. Um, Yeah. And I've been told to to like to like, you know, like kind of like uh, people know that I am doing the right thing right now and quarantining and not exposing Mm -hmm. myself to other people, wearing the mask, everything like that. So if we're, you know, happen to be called in, then then we're viable candidates. But no, I'm just hoping that uh, we can go back for a second season of Canada's Drag Race because Canada as a whole has less cases than all of LA County combined. <laughs> so, so I'm hoping that yeah, that we, oh my God. we can just take our asses back also, up to Canada. Also, Canada did it right. You guys, uh, they sent what three rounds of two thousand dollar checks to people. Like, mm-hmm. it's so insane that we got one round of twelve hundred dollars. No, mm-hmm. there's been no more talks. Now mm-hmm. the administration, the Trump administration is taking information from hospitals. They're no longer oh reporting God, to the CDC. So crazy. And you're just I like, know. oh, this is all being handled so poorly. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm like, is everyone in like the Senate and the House like just waiting till November to do something? I'm like, it, we got time, bitches. Like fucking d- d- say that this is wrong. Like you can't fucking endorse Goya beans and like mm-hmm. be a fascist. It's so, I feel literally insane. Um, productions here. I'm like, I don't know if they're going to go. We're like close to being fully shut down again with another stay at home order. Exactly. This is the thing. Like, like I just don't see how it's, how it's possible. I certainly at this point would not feel very safe going back on a TV or film set personally. No. And well, here's the thing. It puts a lot of pressure on number one and like mm-hmm. on a cast or whatever, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. no, I don't feel safe or comfortable doing working right now, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to stop the bag of a crew. Like, right. if you know, one of the lighting people's like I was depending on this job for my fucking family for the year. I can't be the person that goes, well, you're not going to get it. So I will go back to work and try to stay away like if i go back to work my home life is i wear a mask when i'm around my roommate and the man who lives with me my life is i spend as little time as possible with them until i can get another test like it's and then a lot of the productions are testing throughout but i'm like my home life is affected because i don't want to get anybody else sick and Mm. It's it's just it's scary. It's like it's a scary thing. It's not tangible. And I feel like Americans are like, I can't say it. 
I can't smell it. It's not real. And you're like, oh my God, you fucking Looney Tunes. You are Looney Tunes. We can't leave the country. (laughs) There are 14, I think it's right now 14 countries that will take us. And most of them you have to self quarantine because they don't trust us. And then in like Mexico, they're like, yeah, come down. But like, you'll go to a resort, right? You'll just, Mm -hmm. you'll literally go to a resort with other sick Americans. (laughs) Exactly. it's I just I it feels insane. And I'm like, maybe we don't shame non-mask wearers. Maybe us who are wearing masks say to other mask wearers, we go, girl, you look good. Yes, get mm. that mask. So then everyone not wearing mm-hmm. masks goes, I want to be cool. I want compliments. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Brilliant. Well, lucky for me, I have a Canadian passport so I can escape if I ever deem necessary. Uh, and I think maybe maybe you should do the same. Maybe we should get your ass up to Canada, get you a passport, get you on the panel with us on Canada's Drag Race, find you a nice Canadian man. Honestly, I would love it. I would love a nice Canadian man or mm-hmm. person, whoever. I'm happy mm-hmm. and open to whoever wants to love this little cartoon. Um, well, Jeffrey, we've come to the end. Um, I usually ask all of my guests this. I think I only missed it like three times, but would you date me? Honey, my heart is about to explode out of my chest. It would be (gasps) the honor of a lifetime to date Nicole Byer. (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey, thank you so much. Is there anything besides uh, Canadians Drag Race that you want to promote? I have an... film that I'm really, really proud of coming out this September on Shudder. It's called Spiral, and it's a psychological horror thriller, and it's um, one of the first, if not only, queer thriller that I can think of. Um, but it's it's a really, really, really dope project, and it explores... Um, oh my gosh. Uh, just the... the, 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 the energy of fear around otherness and Mm -hmm. how we, you know, how we, how we fear what we least understand. And so much of that is wrapped up in people of color and in queerness. And it's a really interesting exploration of that. And I'm really proud of it. So that comes out this September on Shudder called Spiral. Yay. That's, I'm so excited for you. Truly. I'm so excited for your success because I've truly loved you since Unreal, which was years ago, but I, watched all of unreal on a plane and i was like whoa why did nobody tell me about this show i like this show <laughs> i miss it it's such a great then, show yeah Thanks like for you watching. just like popped up in other things and i've been like oh wow what a treat and then Thanks, getting to Nicole. know you has been so delightful truly a dream yeah ditto well i can't wait to have you i can't wait to have you on my podcast conversations with others yes we'll get you over yes, there soon yes 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 um truly next week this bitch is free as a bird let's do it i next got week it nothing is. going on so we could get it done let's do it Next week it is. <laughs> yeah, email me. So Done. if you like this episode of Why Won't You Date Me, you can like, you can subscribe, you can rate it five stars, please, or one star. Those reviews are fun, too. <laughs> I like when people don't like me because it's funny that you don't like me but took the time to write a review. It's right. funny. <laughs> so if you <laughs> write something hitting on me, I will read it on the podcast. This nice person said... Uh, I just drove across the country and back and listen, listening to you is one of the highlights. Very nice. Thank you. Also, I won't date you because I'm full up on relation or filled up on relationships. But if you'll excuse my inexperience, I'd love to bury my face between your legs and not come up till you tell me it's over. That's really giving and really kind. And only a gay man would say that and then not follow through with it. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's 
That's amazing. Jeffrey, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Nicole. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been a Team Coco production. With my busy life, I use shipped same-day delivery to keep up. When I need a jar of extra creamy peanut butter delivered, I know my personal shopper Amber will come through. And if it's not on the shelf, she asks them to check the bag. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at shipped.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.